Welcome to the Gaggle Podcast, where we bring you inside the newsroom to talk Arizona politics beyond what's in print. I'm Ryan Randazzo, a business reporter at the Arizona Republic and AZ Central. Joining me this week... I'm Rachel Langang. I cover higher education for the Republic and AZ Central. Dustin Gardner. I cover the state legislature. This week on The Gaggle, we'll talk about how the Red for Ed movement affected who is running for the state legislature this year. And will Don Shooter, Tim Jeffries, and David Gowan be serving in office after November? And Rachel will discuss how much money our university officials are making these days. And by the way, how can I get a house as a part of my pay package? But first, we welcome guest Mike Black, a prominent criminal defense attorney who has experience working big federal cases. We thought he'd have some thoughts to share on the uh, big corruption trial taking place in Arizona uh, that started last week. We have a former utility regulator, Gary Pierce, on trial for allegedly accepting bribe money through his wife from George Johnson, the owner of a water company in the East Valley. And also on trial is lobbyist Jim Norton, who allegedly uh, funneled that money from the utility owner to the man and his wife who are supposed to be setting utility rates. Mike, you uh, sat in for opening arguments last week. Thanks for joining us. How do you think the uh, prosecutors and defense attorneys did in those opening statements? I think they both did excellent jobs. It's a very difficult, arcane case for the jury And Frank Galati, who gave the government's opening statement, laid out what they were going to show. And each of the defense attorneys, I thought, did a particularly good job in laying out the good parts of their defenses where uh, everything, according to them, was done out in the open. Therefore, there couldn't have been any bribery. So it it was a good job by everybody. They're all excellent lawyers. I've been in court with almost all of them at one point or another. So watching that opening statements, uh, it seems a little unfair. You've got one attorney trying to make the case and then four people to shoot down his arguments. Is there a chance that uh, there's a split verdict here? Oh, absolutely. It happens all the time in, in cases. I don't think I've ever been involved in a case where there are three or more defendants that somebody wasn't acquitted on one or all the counts. And what uh, would the penalty be if these people are found guilty? I looked at the, under the federal sentencing guidelines, except for some extremely minor offenses, everybody goes to prison and they've got to serve 85% of the term. I looked at what I think each of the folks would get in this particular case and it's between 21 and 27 months. So if one or all of them get convicted on at least one count, they all go for that amount of time. One of the defendants, lobbyist Jim Norton, uh, served many high-profile clients before uh, the indictment came down. And not only that, but he also is close friends with Governor Doug Ducey. Rachel, do you have any insights on whether or not um, Mr. Norton going to prison would have any uh, blowback on the governor? I definitely think if he does get charged and eventually goes to prison, that would have an effect on the governor. They were very close. They went to college together. They've maintained a friendship. Um, But it it all depends on how the trial goes. When the um, indictments were announced, it was a big deal. A lot of people um, tied it back to Ducey instantly. But since then, and as the trials began, we really haven't heard much about his involvement or his friendship with Norton or relationships with people on trial. So it just it just really depends on what the ultimate conclusion is. You know, there's been a lot of just speculation lingering over this whole thing. This has hung very heavy over political circles in Arizona. I think we've all heard a lot of speculation that this could be pretty far-reaching. And this case actually started, um, arose out of a, a larger investigation. So I'm curious, Mike, do you have any sense um, how broad this just might be and who might else might be impacted? I do. 
When I was sitting in the courtroom last week, I saw two, if not three, two for sure, real good criminal defense lawyers who were taking notes. It's my visceral feeling that they're representing someone else as part of that larger investigation. In addition, both Norton and Pierce were offered pleas in exchange for some testimony. The government didn't need their testimony in this case, so my assumption is, is that they're looking to go up the ladder, kind of like the Trump case with Cohen. Yeah, we do know from the prosecutors that this stemmed from a larger investigation, and we've only gotten tidbits over the last two years over who that might involve, but we do know that they uh, requested documents from the Corporation Commission, and we do know that uh, investigators talked to people from Pinnacle West Capital, which is the publicly traded parent company of Arizona Public Service. So is it your feeling, Mike, that maybe APS somehow is a part of that larger investigation? Yeah, it is. It, is. it definitely is. How far, uh, how far it goes and who knew what is a different proposition, but I definitely think that they're being investigated. Okay. Well, we'll follow that case. Thanks a lot for joining us. You're welcome. Okay, Dustin. Well, the filing deadline for running for office has come and gone. Um, what kind of trends uh, are you seeing in the people that are hoping to be elected this year? So we're seeing a huge influence of the Red for Ed movement and the teacher walkout. Um, this year, there are 225 candidates running for state House and Senate. That is a pretty significant number. Um, typically, there's about 120, 100, sorry, typically there's about 190 or 180 per year um, so this is among the most contested races for state legislature in the last 20 years. The only um, other year that I found that had more candidates was in 2010, which was, of course, a big Republican wave year. Um, but this year, it seems like the momentum is more in the Democrats' favor. They have more candidates. Um, they have uh, at least five teachers running with them. Um, these are people that were often energized you know, by the Red for Ed movement. I talked to a teacher who hadn't planned on running, and then after she spent a, a full night at the legislature in early May for that big uh, budget vote you guys were there for, um, she decided she wanted to jump in and with volunteers collected over 500 signatures in uh, less than three weeks. So just very interesting, unusual stories this year um, that point to just uh, you know, just how impactful Red for Red was and not just, you know, changing, you know, Im impacting the budget, but getting a lot, uh, you know, of political newbies running for office. Yeah. So I imagine these are all first timers and probably having to learn, uh, learn the procedures to required. Is that a challenge for them? Yeah, I think it was a challenge for some of them. There were many more people that had, um, you know, expressed interest in running that had opened, you know, a, a candidate portal with the Secretary of State's office. Not everyone, you know, mustered the, the you know, the muscle to get the hundreds signatures they would need to run. Um, but, you know, we, we did see a, a pretty significant uptick. And, and it's not just uh, Democrats, too. I, you know, I talked to a Republican teacher who um, is running, and she's actually running against Kelly Townsend, the, the minority whip in the House. Um, and she told me, you know, this teacher, her name is Bonnie Hickman, um, out, out in uh, the Far East Valley. She said she didn't know who her representatives were at the Capitol two months ago. 
Um, she was down here with Red for Ed. She's a Republican, and she was so upset by what she saw that she decided to run against Townsend. Um, so a lot of energy on both sides. Yeah, that would really change the tone of some of these committee hearings down here at the ledge if you had a, a couple of teachers in the room um, sitting in positions of power, for sure. You also found some other um, sort of oddball candidates that we might expect. Uh, one of them is Don Shooter. Are we going to see him on the ballot? Yeah, I mean, so this is the year I think people are questioning, does anyone ever really die in Arizona politics? You know, we had several people that had, um, you know, con- controversial scandals in the past that kind of, uh, you know, we at least we thought were, di- you know, were disappearing from the political scene. Um, one of them is Don Shooter. He, you know, I, as people probably remember, he was accused of sexual harassment and was expelled from the House um, earlier this year. He collected the signatures to get on the ba- to get on the ballot, and now he's running again. Um, that obviously stirred quite a response. Several women that had accused him of harassment came out, uh, you know, and you know just blasted him for getting in the race. The Democrat Michelle Harris, a veteran, um, also running for the Senate seat. Um, I should clarify, Shooter was expelled from the House, but he's now running for a Senate seat uh, in his district. Um, but Michelle Harris, the Democrat in that race, immediately seized on it uh, and went after Shooter. Um, and his district does lean pretty strongly Republican, um, and there is a strong Republican incumbent, um, Sine Kerr is the sitting senator. Um, so I think Shooter has a tough primary, but Democrats definitely weren't uh, sad to see that. Do you think the uh, GOP views him as a liability should he get through the primary? Yeah, I mean, I think I've you know, I've heard, um, <laughs> you know, behind the scenes I've talked to, or I guess on, on background, I've talked to several Republican operatives that feel like this could hurt them statewide just in terms of messaging and image. Um, I think there might be an effort to to challenge his signatures to try to get Shooter off the ballot. Um, but, you know, Shooter has pretty strong support in that district. You know, historically, he's often been the top vote getter uh, in the elections um, for District 13. And I should um, add that his district is a lot of the West Valley of Phoenix, but stretches all the way down to Yuma, a pretty sprawling district. And then uh, the former DES director, Tim Jeffries, he's running for office. What's he running for? So we have another very interesting primary race. He's running for state Senate in District 23, which is Scottsdale, Fountain Hills. Um, he has a, a pretty well-known opponent, um, Michelle Ugenti Rita, a state representative. She's trying to switch over to the Senate. So that looks like a pretty pretty hot primary between Jeffries and Ugenti. And anyone else noteworthy? Um, yeah, there were several this year. Um, another biggie was David Gowan, the former House Speaker. He is running for the Senate in uh, District 14. This is uh, Sierra Vista, Southern Arizona District. He has a pretty tough Republican primary opponent in Drew John, who's a sitting um, House member switching over to the Senate. Um, Gowan, uh, as people might remember, left office after a pretty um, hot controversy over uh, travel expenses. The attorney general investigated, and while he found that there was not um, an intent by Gowan's administration to violate the rules, he said there there was a lot of negligence and a lot of kind of sloppy reporting with per diems um, and use of uh, state vehicles. and, you know, so I, I, it'll be interesting to see how Gowan fares. Like I said, Ju John is a pretty strong opponent. And as Gowan's controversial and <laughs> had a fair number of um, enemies at the Capitol, Drew John is probably one of the least controversial people around here. So that's a very interesting personality contrast. Well, it sounds like the politics team is going to be very busy this election season. Absolutely.
Rachel, you reported recently on the Board of Regents voting for pay increases for the three university presidents. How much does Michael Crow make these days? Uh, as of last week, he makes 690000 as a ba base salary, but he gets a ton of other um, benefits and perks. He gets some funding uh, for his salary from the ASU Foundation. Uh, the Regents provide some six-figure bonuses based on um, some metrics that they have to meet um, and some reports they have to file. And uh, they get a $70,000 housing allowance, a $10,000 automobile allowance. So perks that are pretty unfamiliar to folks like us. But um, in the university president world, those sorts of perks are fairly common. So what's the grand total after all those perks are added to that 690? He could this year bring in like about $1.1 million. Wow. Is he the highest paid in the country? He was last year, but he likely won't be this year. Uh, last year, he got an additional bonus from the ASU Foundation that put him the top in the country. This year, he'll probably be in the top 10, um, but he won't be that top uh, placeholder anymore. How about the other two presidents? What do they make? Um, President Robbins, who uh, leads the University of Arizona, his salary was increased, his base salary, to 675000 And then again, with those additional perks and stuff. Um, and then Rita Chang, the president of Northern Arizona University, she uh, her salary is increased to 475000 And there's a nice perk for Mr. Robbins uh, for his housing as well, correct? He got a house. So the U of A Foundation purchased a house, a $1.3 million house, really nice. I looked it up on Zillow. Um, has a really nice pool. It's all been redone, but it's like a historic Spanish mission-style house. Um you know, great for entertaining, which is what they've said they want to use it for. They want to use it for fundraisers and presidents' meetings and things like that. Um, so the U of A Foundation purchased it last August, and now the U of A wants to buy it from the foundation so that the university owns it instead of the foundation. Is that in Tucson or is that in one of the uh, outskirts of It's Marana? right by the U of A campus, like blocks away. Just uh, I'm curious, Rachel, like, you know, there's been a lot of um, sentiment at the Capitol with lawmakers concerned that some universities, especially ASU, are, have gotten maybe too big for their britches, that they're, they overstep their authority. Um, do you have any sense how this plays in light of that kind of um, conflict the universities face at the Capitol? I think for some um, Republican lawmakers at the Capitol, Whatever the ASU does probably won't be looked upon favorably, especially, you know, tuition did increase um, for some folks at ASU and the other universities this year. Um, while university presidents get raises, you know, that's not optically very favorable. Um, so I haven't heard from any lawmakers specifically, but I can imagine that there are some who are not fans of, you know, these perks and these large salaries for public employees. For our final segment, we will spill the tea. I'm going to ask our guest, Mike, um, do you have any predictions on this case and whether we'll see guilty verdicts? I do. Someone is going to get convicted on some count. Whether they walk away or not, it's a different proposition. But I just feel, based on the openings, that somebody's going to get convicted. 
okay, well, it's going to be a long month or so of testimony before we get to that point. I've got a little bit of tea to spill myself. We learned today that there is a rally planned at the state capitol for Thursday. It is to support the uh, embattled Navajo, Navajo coal plant near Page. Uh, the coal miners union said that they have a major announcement regarding a potential new owner for that plant. I'm going to make a prediction myself that whatever announcement comes out Thursday, it's going to come with a major ask. Um, I'm not sure what that ask is going to be, but it's either going to be subsidies from the federal government or some sort of action by the U.S. Department of Interior to force the Cap Canal to buy power from that uh, generating station or maybe lease concessions from the tribe. But I don't think they would be holding a political rally at the Capitol if they had this deal locked up. Dustin, anything from you? Yeah, I've got some good tea this week. So I'm hearing rumblings that there might have been an issue with uh, Secretary of State Michelle Reagan's office and candidate nominating petitions. I've heard um, that at least one campaign, potentially others, feel that their petitions might have been lost. Um, So I'm going to be talking to our office and check AZ Central for more uh, updates on that. Rachel, anything from you? I'm following up on, do you remember the Arizona Teachers Academy that was announced last year? Uh, Now it's been a year. I'm trying to see how many teachers they've actually trained um, and whether it is free college like they promised. And then um, additionally, if the universities actually have a way to make sure students stay here afterward and teach in Arizona. It seems like that was not really contemplated in the way the law was passed. Okay, good stuff. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to the Gaggle Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Utility Reporter. I'm at Rachel Leingang. That's L-E-I-N-G-A-N-G. I'm at Dustin Gardner. That's G-A-R-D-I-N-E-R. Thanks to the politics team and also our producers, Haley Sanchez and Carly Henry. Please subscribe to the show and review it on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Google Play.